and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Bless the Lord who forgives all of our sins. His mercy endures forever. Almighty God, unto whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hid, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. Amen. Let us confess our sins. Almighty God, merciful Father, 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 Lord Jesus Christ, maker of all things, judge of the world, we confess that we have sinned against your divine majesty by God.
Glory to God in the highest, and peace to his people on earth. steadfast in your grace and truth, protect and deliver us in times of temptation, defend us against all enemies, and grant to your church your saving peace. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. The reading of the Holy Scriptures. The first reading appointed for this, the observation of the Reformation Day, is from the book of Revelation, the 14th chapter. Then I saw another angel flying directly overhead with an eternal gospel to proclaim to those who dwell on earth, to every nation and tribe and language and people. And he said with a loud voice, Fear God and give him glory, because the hour of his judgment has come, and worship him who made heaven and earth, the sea and the springs of water. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. reading from St. Paul's letter to the Romans, the third chapter. Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law so that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world may be accountable to God. For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, 
the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness, because in divine forbearance he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Then what becomes of our boasting? It is excluded. By what kind of law? By a law of works? No, but by the law of faith. For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
We stand in respect of Christ, of whom the Holy Gospel is read. The Holy Gospel according to St. John, the 8th chapter. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. They answered him, We are offspring of Abraham, and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. This is the gospel of the Lord. Together now we confess our holy Christian faith in the words of the Nicene Creed. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten not made, being one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried, and the third day he rose again according to the Scriptures and ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of the Father. And he will come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead, whose kingdom will have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets. And I believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. We remain standing to sing the hymn of the day.
third chapter of Romans, the 28th verse, for we maintain that a man is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. This is our text. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Words. Words are so important, they frame our thoughts, they communicate what we think. Words are so vitally important, in fact, some words are simply too important to be forgotten. I'm reminded of that famous incident, in fact, of a word being forgotten back in 1631. It was 20 years after the first printing of the King James Version was done in 1611. And in 1631, there was a subsequent printing that was made, and the printer forgot an important word. He forgot the little word not in the Sixth Commandment, as it was presented in that Bible, and so to the chagrin of many clerics and to the delight of many debasers, the ending statement was, Thou shalt commit adultery rather than thou shalt not. One little word can make such a an amazing difference in most of the copies then after that printing mistake was made most of the copies were recovered they were recalled they were destroyed by King Charles the first but 11 copies were never recovered again and those 11 copies became known as the wicked Bible and there are a few copies of the wicked Bible that still remain to this day in fact you can see one of the copies of the wicked Bible on display in the Bible Museum in Branson Missouri or there's another Bible, a Bible with a changed word in it, showing again what a difference a simple word can make. It's called the Printer's Bible. The Printer's Bible because in 1702, a proofreader who may well have been at odds with the printer who hired him saw nothing wrong with a, a change in the wording of Psalm 119. The words of King David were supposed to read, princes have persecuted me without cause, and of course there was a mistake, and so it read, printers have persecuted me without cause. And subsequently it was known as the printer's Bible. Words are important. The omission of words is important. Words that can't be compromised are important. Words that can't be forgotten are so important. Words that speak to the central doctrine of our Christian faith are indeed the most important words of all. The central teaching of our faith, that teaching of Christianity that's foundational to every other teaching, that teaching of how we are justified before God. How does God justify us? Those are the most important and critical teachings of the Christian faith. How we are made right with God the Father through the intercessory work of God the Son. No words in all of Christendom, no words in all of Scripture are more important than these of of this article, Luther said, this article of how we're justified before God, he said, nothing may be yielded. Of this article, he said, nothing may be conceded. And yet, my friends, that's exactly what's happening to so many people in our day and in our age. They're yielding and they're conceding on this indispensable article of justification. It wasn't that long ago that the UPI religion editor of the time, Uwe Simonetto, a good, solid, confessional Lutheran scholar, suggests that we may be on the verge of what he calls 
the Protestant collapse. Interesting, because citing a large-scale survey that was done by the reputable Barna Group, which researches and analyzes religious thinking of the day, he quotes them in stating that there is, quote, a very considerable diversity within the Christian community regarding its core beliefs. That's an important statement that's made. It's a politically correct way of saying most Protestants don't know what it means to be Protestant anymore. And then it goes on to state these rather disconcerting statistics. A mere 21% of American Lutherans, 20% of Episcopalians, 18% of Methodists, 22% of Presbyterians affirm the basic Protestant tenet that man does not in any way earn or to some degree work his way into heaven through his good works. The counter of that means that 70 to 80 percent of each of these different groups that I mentioned are thinking that it is by some work of theirs that they finally gain access to heaven through some work of their own. If these statistics are accurate, and there's little to suggest that they aren't, we are indeed, as what Uisa Manetto has claimed, we're on the verge of a Protestant collapse. How has it happened? How have so many strayed so far from that apostolic faith of our fathers? I'll tell you how it's happened. It's happened because too many have forgotten words. They've forgotten words too important to be forgotten. It's happened because all too many have relegated the words of Holy Scripture to the sidelines by saying they simply don't apply to the here and now or they have to be reshaped and reformed to make them applicable to the here and now. It's happened because others have denied the importance or discounted the importance of doctrine. They've disowned the creeds. They've dismantled the, the confessions of ancient Christendom. It's happened because there are others who have carelessly discarded the time-tested liturgy of the church and have battered instead and bartered great hymns of grace about Jesus Christ for shallow, Christless, crossless songs. The words of faith are important, but they're words that are being forgotten. They're words that are being lost to a whole generation which is not being taught to know them and to love them and to teach them to their children. Luther, well aware of what happens to men and women and to churches and generations when they forget these important words and who allow the word of God to be forgotten, pleads with his fellow Germans to receive God's grace, his words, with gratitude, with thanksgiving, and to teach it faithfully to their children. Listen to what he says. He says, use God's grace and word while it's still at hand. For you have to know, he says, that God's grace and word is like a traveling shower which doesn't return where once it's been. Look, he says, it was once with the Jews, but now it's gone from them. They have nothing. It was once brought into Greece by St. Paul, but now it's gone from them. Now they have the Turk instead. Roman Italy have also had it, but now it's gone from them, and they have the papacy. And ye Germans, you must not think, he says, that you will have it always, for because of ingratitude and contempt for it, it will not abide here forever. Therefore, seize and hold fast to it, whoever can. 
Mark the words of Luther well. When the word of God, when the grace of God are gone, when the words of the church's apostolic faith have been silenced, then will be forgotten the most fundamental of all Christian doctrines, the doctrine of justification. And when that article of justification is gone, when that's fallen, Luther says, then he says, everything has fallen. This doctrine of justification, he says, is the head and the cornerstone of all. It alone, he says, begets and nourishes and builds and preserves and defends the church of God. And without it, the church of God cannot exist for one single hour. Now, what is this scriptural doctrine, which is so fundamental and essential for the life of the church that it can't exist without it, even for a single hour? This divine truth upon which the church is built, this divine truth without which the church falls, simply put, it's this. It's what our text for today so simply and beautifully says, namely that we are justified, we're declared just before God, we're declared holy before God, simply by faith alone, sola fide, apart from any good works on our part. That's it. Or as St. Paul put it a few verses earlier, in Romans chapter 3, he says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and we are justified freely, he says, by his grace, sola gratia, through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus, solus Christus. I know it seems so unbelievably simple. Perhaps that's part of the problem with it all. It's so often disbelieved by people and compromised by people because it is so simple. It's so simple because what it says is that he has done it all for you. Our sinful nature rails against that thought, against that divine notion. In fact, we might even say that divine insistence that there's, there's absolutely nothing that we can do to save ourselves. And that there's not even a little bit, and stop and think about this, there's not a little bit, there's not even a nano bit. There's nothing at all that you can do to add to what Christ has already done for you. In his perfect life lived for you, in his sacrificial death given on the cross for you, everything has been totally, all-sufficiently done by Christ. And our fallen vanity insists that, no, I have to be able to do something that I have done something in the past, that I can do something in the future, that I must do something that ultimately counts for something in the eyes of God or merits somehow something from God, something, oh, to change the words of the old hymn from nothing in my hands I bring to something in my hands I bring. That's what our fallen nature would like us all to do. Many, if not most of you, have seen the movie probably you own the DVD entitled Luther if you haven't done so already. Take it out, view it for Reformation this year. Do it every year. So vivid in it are the scenes of Luther after an 850 mile plus walk from Nuremberg to Rome. And then he is seen there and you recall this from the, the movie or the DVD and you see Luther and he's crawling up these 28 steps of the Scala Santa of those steps that he goes up, and on each individual step, he and all of the other people that are crawling up this step with him, what are they doing? They're praying the Our Father on each step. Why? 
to merit through their efforts, through that simple action that they're doing, to merit the grace of God, to merit time out of purgatory for some loved one or for themselves for four weeks in Rome while Luther was there, still a monk, before the real reformation in his life had occurred. He's there climbing up those steps. He's there visiting shrine after shrine to view relic upon relic, ad nauseum. Why? Because through his efforts, he might, he thought, attain something from God. And reflecting upon all of this pietistic tomfoolery and writing to a, a letter to a fellow Augustinian monk only a few months before nailing the 95 theses to the Wittenberg church door, Luther said this. He said, in our age, the temptation to self-righteousness violently assails many and particularly those who strive to be just and good with all their powers, ignorant of the righteousness of God, which is most bountifully and freely given to us in Jesus Christ. They, he said, seek to do good works by themselves until they have the courage then through those works to stand before God as if graced by their own virtues and their own merits. And yet, Luther says, it's impossible to do this. You yourself, dear friend, he writes to his friend, once held to this opinion. Rather, he says, so did I. An error. So did I. And so he had. How long and how hard Luther had tried to purge his own soul of his own sin through his work, his works of self-righteousness. In fact, day after day, rising at the first ringing of the monastery bell at one or two o'clock in the morning, he and all of his fellow Augustinian monks would, by the second ringing of the bell, be kneeling in prayer before the high altar of the monastery chapel. They'd be appealing there to the Virgin Mary to intercede for them with her son. She was closer to them than they were, and so they appealed to her to intercede with her son that they might be spared his avenging wrath, and that's how they saw Christ. And this would be but the beginning of a long day dedicated to doing whatever could be humanly done by their efforts to secure the forgiveness and the mercy of God. And yet, as Luther later writes, it was all of absolutely no avail. Waste of time. Any sense of inner righteousness before God through all of those pious efforts totally eluded Luther and evaded him until finally, and only through the intense study of Holy Scripture, God's Holy Spirit led Luther to rediscover what the church of his day had long since lost, the article of justification without which the church cannot stand. Words that can't be forgotten, that article of justification, that Jesus Christ is our righteousness. It's not what we do, it's what he has done on the cross that matters, that counts. Christ who delivered himself up for us on the cross to make full payment for all of our sin and that same Christ who is now delivered to you through his word that you hear, through his holy sacrament that you receive in order that that forgiveness won for you upon the cross is yours even personally and individually today. And once Luther realized this, 
He writes this, and he says, Thereupon I felt myself to be reborn and to have gone through the open doors, even unto paradise. And the whole of Scripture, he says, took on a new meaning for me, as intensely as I had formerly hated the expression, the righteousness of God, because I could not attain it by my works. Now I loved it, and I praised it as the sweetest of concepts. And so this phrase now has become to me paradise, the righteousness of God, not in him, but in him in Christ. And so also, any and every sinner here today, any sinner like that penitent tax collector that came into the temple, remember, and stood before the Lord pleading, O God, be merciful unto me, a sinner, and every sinner here today who like that reformer of old whom we remember and thank God for today, any sinner here today who despairs and disowns every hint of self-righteousness and clings by faith to the righteousness of Jesus Christ alone, a faith given you by the Holy Spirit, any and every sinner here today who begs God's mercy and clings to Christ will also go home justified. Justified by Jesus Christ. What a treasure, a precious treasure, by God's grace, Luther had uncovered, hidden for centuries under the fancy trimmings of papal pomposity, was that simple, saving gospel of Jesus Christ that we're saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, sola gratia, sola fides, Solus Christus, and that's why we today, as children of the Reformation, can say soli Deo Gloria, to God alone be all the glory. Hear it one more time. A man is justified by faith in Jesus Christ apart from the works of the law. It's by these words that the church lives and it's with these words that the church's children dare to die. These, my friends, are simply words that cannot be forgotten. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
because by grace through faith and on account of Christ we have been made adopted sons of God, we may now call upon him as Father. And so therefore then let us pray for the whole church of God in Christ Jesus and for all people according to their need. Lord God, you have called men and women and children of every generation to confess your name before men. We thank you for the strong confession that you have caused to sound forth in generations past, by the mouth of Martin Luther and many others, by the free fruit of Christ's cross that comes to us in your gift of word and sacrament and embolden us as we're given to make confession of the truth in our day, that we may do so with courage, knowing you to be our refuge and our strength. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for your church on earth that you might continue to raise up within her faithful pastors and hearers who hold fast to the truth and will defend it. Where the church has been in error, reform her. Where she has lost the confession of the truth, restore her to it. Where she continues to teach that which is from the apostles, salvation by grace through faith in Christ alone, confirm her in it that others may by it come to know the salvation Christ has accomplished for all. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Bless this congregation and those who belong to it. Bless also our district and synod, that each and those who oversee each may be a blessing to the many. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Hear our prayer, O Lord, for good and just government throughout the kingdoms of the world, but especially here in our land. Preserve our election process from disorder. Through our, these processes, accomplish your will that laws and leaders may be established in accord with it, or that occasion may be given for your church to confess your will and truth against any legislation that would establish civic ordinance opposed to it. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Lord, from whose hand even the sparrows are fed, through the kindness of your people, remember those who suffer from hunger and homelessness and poverty or unemployment. And in your great mercy and love, preserve and relieve them. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. For those who are infirmed or ill or recovering from ailment or procedure, including Eni Ubo and Vic Small, Mendel Welch, husband of former member Mary and Lycan Welch, who now undergoes testing in an effort to preserve his foot in the use of it, also, homebound members of the congregation, Paul Duell and Dick and Elsie Much, and Marguerite Helt and Ruth Allfeld and Bob and Dorothy Latham and Hugh Ryan. We pray that you would grant healing to their bodies and strength, strength of soul to them to bear their infirmities with patience and in faith. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. God of all comfort, attend in divine compassion to those who mourn, including the family of member and brother in Christ, Robert Hargis, who was called home to heaven on Friday. Be also with Joe Avrin and his family at the death of Joe's father. Teach your people to cast all of our cares upon you, for you dearly care for us. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. God of all good with Sean and Nancy O'Brien, we give you thanks for the 34 years of marriage with which you've blessed them. Ever be the strength in their life and the source of their love for one another. Lord, we give thanks also with you and with the whole church, and particularly with St. Paul's Lutheran in Beecher, Illinois, who today received the gift of a, a new pastor, 
Pastor Nathan Muehlberg, son-in-law of Pat and Chris Stainer, who today is ordained into the office of the Holy Ministry and installed as their pastor. For him and his service there in that place, we give thanks and we ask you to produce much fruit through it. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Gracious Lord Jesus Christ, placing aside all of our efforts, let all who approach your table today do so with confident faith in your atoning work, now delivered to us through your very body and blood, under the bread and wine of the Blessed Supper. May each, receiving it in faith, go home today, knowing himself to be justified by your grace. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Grant, Lord, that we would, by the Holy Spirit, believe what you have taught us and live in accord with your word, that holding fast by grace to your word, we may be made strong in faith and ultimately comforted in life and in death. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who together with you and the Holy Spirit lives and reigns one God now and forever. Amen. I exhort you in Christ that you give attention to the testament of Christ in true faith, and above all to take heart the words with which Christ presents his body and blood to us for forgiveness, that you take note of and give thanks for the boundless love that he showed us when he saved us from the wrath of God and sin and death and hell by his blood as a guarantee and pledge. Let us then in his name, according to his command, and with his own words, administer and receive the testament. The Lord be with you. salutary, that we should at all times and in all places give thanks to you, Holy Lord, Almighty Father, everlasting God, through Jesus Christ our Lord, who on this day overcame death and the grave, and by his glorious resurrection opened to us the way of everlasting life. Therefore, with angels and archangels, and with all the company of heaven, we laud and magnify your glorious name, evermore praising you and saying, Son into our flesh to bear our sin and be our Savior. With repentant joy we receive the salvation accomplished for us by the all-availing sacrifice of his body and his blood on the cross. Gathered in the name and the remembrance of Jesus, we beg you, O Lord, to forgive 
renew and strengthen us with your word and spirit. Grant us faithfully to eat his body and drink his blood, as he bids us do in his own testament. Gather us together, we pray, from the ends of the earth, to celebrate with all the faithful the marriage feast of the Lamb in his kingdom, which has no end. Graciously receive our prayers, deliver and preserve us. To you alone, O Father, be all glory, honor, and worship, with the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take and eat, this is my body, which is given for you, this do in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you, this cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it, in remembrance of me. The peace of the Lord be with you always. And also with you.
O Almighty and Eternal God, who has chosen out of the world in all times and places those who have believed you, we give thanks for those who in each generation have boldly confessed that we are saved by your grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Especially do we praise you this day for your faithful servants through whom, in times past, you restored and recalled and reformed your church to its first profession and proclamation of the gospel of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Mercifully keep your church in the true knowledge and understanding of your word. Let your Holy Spirit ever dwell in us, that defended from all, we may be confessors of Christ in our day. Enable us to share that holy faith which we, by your grace, received from those before us, that through your church, the unchanging gospel of Christ may be declared in this changing world. Amen. Receive now the benediction of our Lord. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Amen.